Hello world and welcome back to another episode of Spider Bites, the podcast from Spider Oak. I'm your host Adam Turvitt. Today we have an exciting show for you where we talk with an influencer who does a lot of work in InfoSec, both security and privacy focused on YouTube, TikTok, and throughout social media. You may have heard of Shannon Morse, who's our guest today. She is awesome, has lots of great insight. So we will get to my interview with Shannon right after these messages. And welcome back to Spider Bites. This podcast is sponsored by Spider Oak. At Spider Oak, we believe security is important, and it's our mission to secure the world's data. From secure data compartments for collaboration and data storage, to protecting your backups with end-to-end encryption, or even protecting communications in space, we want to be part of your plan to protect your most important data. Learn more at spiderhook.com. Welcome back to Spider Bites, the Spider Oak podcast. I'm Adam Turvitt, and today I am thrilled to be joined by Shannon Morse. Shannon, welcome. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Well, thanks for being on the show. So uh, tell us a little bit about you, uh, you know, either professional or personal. And uh, one of the things we love is to to know a tidbit or two that maybe other people don't know about you. Ooh, <laughs> that's a tough one because I'm a YouTuber. So like my entire <laughs> life is on the internet. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I do YouTube. My name is Shannon Morse. I've been YouTubing as a content career for 13 years, full-time. Um, I recently moved to Denver, Colorado, right at the start of 2020, which was very hectic and crazy given the world situation. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But I ended up building my own home studio and I've been doing independent security and privacy tutorials on YouTube, as well as tech reviews and how-tos for the past several years, the past decade. Um, It's a wonderful, wonderful job. And it's given me a lot of opportunity to teach people about security and privacy who may not have been interested from the start. Um, I also have done shows with a channel called Hack5, which created this tool called the Wi-Fi Pineapple, which I'm sure some of your viewers have probably heard of. Um, And I've been continuing to make videos on that channel as well under a show called ThreatWire, which is about security and privacy news. So when y'all reached out and said, hey, I want to interview you, I was like, yes, let's do it. I love security and privacy. I'm a huge nerd about this stuff. Sometimes it annoys my husband because <laughs> he has to share a network with me. Um, but I live here with my dog, my two cats. And I think something that not, well, at this point, I think everybody knows it, but I'm obsessed with Sailor Moon to the point where one of my bedrooms is dedicated to my collection of merchandise. So, <laughs> like, I am that deep in that hole. So, I'm a big anime nerd. I love mm-hmm. going to Japan, and that's like one of my one of my obsessions since I was a little kid, and it always has been. I've never grown out of it. So, I think that's probably like the weirdest thing about me. I also am a pretty big anime nerd, and also love going to Japan. So we have. Oh, nice! <laughs> I'll have to give you some recommendations for Tokyo. Yeah, I'd love that. Well, I'm I'm excited because you're such an expert in this field and uh, already have such a you know a strong background of talking to people about security and privacy. So, talk with me a little bit about you know in either professionally or personally 
what are what are the concerns and the problems that you you think about and consider as you go about your daily life? That's such a good question. Um, since I have a very public facing persona online, given my career, I'm constantly thinking about my security and privacy to the point where when I'm signing up to buy a cute shirt off of some website, I'm thinking about what address, what email address I'm going to put into their platform. Mm -hmm. What shipping address am I going to use? What credit card am I going to use? And I consider if they're not protecting my data in the proper fashion that they should, how am I going to protect myself as a consumer if that data ever did potentially get leaked? So I got a UPS store box that's publicly available so people can send me boxes like PR, I often get mm -hmm. products to review. So I just give them that. So if it does leak or if they're not securing it properly, it's okay because it's already public. So it's fine. My home address is not public unless you're really good at it, which I'm sure some people are. Um, I pay for products every year to protect my identity because I'm worried about people trying to dox me. I'm mm -hmm. constantly thinking about these scenarios because when you have such a public facing job, it's not only you that could potentially be attacked, but the people around you. So people know that I'm married and they know who my husband is because we often, we troll each other on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> so I have to teach him how to protect himself as well and make sure right. that he's making the proper choices online. So educating other people as well as myself constantly and thinking about how would a malicious actor want to attack me and what kind of entry points they could use, not only mm -hmm. just on the network, but also physically about my house and also about like my, my person, what am I going to share online and how am I going to protect myself in the process? But still, I'm a very friendly person. I always have been. So I still want to make friends. I still want to make acquaintances online and network. And I often have to consider how am I going to share the information that I want to share while also still protecting myself and the people around me constantly? Well, since you're you're in kind of a unique position uh, of being a person with a big public persona, so for other people in this situation, particularly uh, maybe less tech-savvy people, what are some recommendations you'd give uh, that would help them in your position to you know maintain either physical or, or digital privacy and sep you know kind of separate their their public persona from their private life. Yeah, absolutely. Oh my gosh, Adam, there's so many so many different like features that we have made available to us now as consumers. Uh, luckily we have a lot of ways to protect ourselves better even if you do have a public persona. Um, one of the things that I'm constantly recommending to people is be very skeptical about every single site that you go to and constantly be on guard when you're checking your email, when you're opening a new site. Um, what links are you clicking from Twitter or Facebook? Can you really trust that hashtag? Like, There's a lot of different ways that a malicious actor could use uh, potential links or use websites to gain access to your personal data. Uh, they could create a fake phishing site and use that to collect information about you. And at that point, if they're using it to collect like your two-factor authentication code or your password on a site that doesn't use two-factor authentication, then it doesn't matter if you use a different password on every site they're still going to get access to that 
that oh, one website. Yeah, yeah. So constantly being on guard is really important. And also considering like, just like what I said previously, what kind of data you're going to share. And another thing to consider is when you're going to share that information. So for example, um, one thing I experienced many years ago was I was working in this physical studio with a network and it was a public studio. So people could come in and they could watch live shows, which was great. It was really cool to meet, meet people that were also part of the audience. Mm -hmm. This one guy came in and apparently he, he like professed his love to me and started calling the network and we had to get the police involved. It was very serious. And because of that, I started considering my physical location and mm -hmm. how I'm going to share like what I'm doing online. So now whenever I post pictures on Instagram, which are always super fun, or if I'm posting like an update on Twitter and talking about like what I'm going to be doing, usually it's like a couple of days later because I don't want to tell people where I am at a very specific time. Or if I go out to dinner with a friend, I'll let people know after dinner. <laughs> I'll right. say, wow, yeah. this place is great. So that people aren't showing up right when I'm there, because that would be super awkward. And also might be kind of dangerous, potentially, just given the given that I'm I'm a YouTuber. So there's a lot of dangerous situations that can be remediated if you take the precautions ahead of time and just consider if I'm putting this data out there, how could it be used against me? Mm -hmm. And if you think like that, if you try to think like a malicious actor or a criminal, you'll notice I never use the word hacker because hackers are people too. And a lot of hackers are good people, right. but malicious people, a lot of times you have to think about how are they going to use this against me and how can I protect myself? And when it comes to a home network, how am I going to protect that home network? Especially if you're using consumer-based routers, mm -hmm. are you updating the firmware? Are you using a separate SSID for your guests whenever they come over to your house? Is it all password protected? It better be. I sure hope so. And make sure you're updating all your devices, IoT and your cell phone. And if your cell phone's no longer getting security updates, make sure you get a new phone. Make sure you get a new phone at that point because mm -hmm. you could be vulnerable to potential hacks. So there's a lot to consider when you really start delving into security and privacy. But if you take it one step at a time, it's absolutely doable and it's not going to overtake your life. So let me ask a follow-up question to one of the things you mentioned. Say, for example, Twitter, you said we have to be really conscious and careful about what we click. Do you have a specific tool you use for that? Some kind of sandboxing or uh, something that you use to help you, you know, look at the clear text of a link before you click it? I hover over it. <laughs> uh <-huh. coughs> Excuse me. Um, other than that, honestly, I just use Chrome's built-in browser because mm -hmm. it warns you if you do click on a link, it warns you if something is happening and it'll tell you this might be a malicious link. It might be dangerous. Do you want to continue? And then you have the choice, if you click advanced, you have the choice to continue or you can close it and go back to safety. So really, like that's all I use, but there are other tools available. I just don't use any of them. Well, and I do pretty much what you just mentioned. I was just curious if you have something fancy that you use specifically for, for that. <laughs> no, mm. I, I actually try to avoid as many third-party 
add-ons and extensions as I can. And I try mm-hmm. to use whatever is built in and the most up-to-date uh, just to protect myself because that's another potential problem that you can face is the more apps you download, the more third-party um, add-ons or extensions mm-hmm. that you might grab for, they could potentially be a vulnerability. Um, there are third-party extensions for Twitter that can use your Twitter for uh, something called OAuth, which allows you to just use your Twitter account to log into their product. And if they had some kind of vulnerability, that could give somebody access to your Twitter account too. So I really try to audit what I'm doing online constantly and just make sure that I'm cutting down the potential entry points as much as possible. Yeah, yeah, and that's a great point. Uh, one of the things you you mentioned is about you know physical security and sharing online. Uh, my family ran into this a couple of weeks ago when we were on vacation because I'm like you. I don't post about my vacation before or during, only after. And uh, about halfway through the vacation, my daughter started showing me on her Instagram all the great pictures that she'd taken and posted. So we had to sit oh, down and have that conversation. So scary. We're not, we're not home. We shouldn't tell people that we're not home for the next yeah. week. Yeah. <laughs> Usually if I do mention, like if I'm having a meetup in another city, I'll say like, hey, I'm going to be here on this date. And then I'll just be like, I'm so glad somebody's staying at my house to take care of my dog, which is always true. Somebody's always going to be here. Or I'm so happy like I have my security equipment set up or like I have yeah. a cop in the neighborhood or whatever it might be just to kind of throw people off and be like, okay, she actually is like taking, taking strides to make sure that mm-hmm. she's safe. But that way I can still like have those meetups in person and still be able to network and do my job. And that's also really useful if I'm going to a convention, um, if, if I'm like promoting an event that I'm going to be at and hosting at any time like that, I'll usually be like, you know, I'll, my husband stays home. He doesn't go to those kind of events with me. Mm-hmm. So I'll mention, like, I'm glad my husband's staying home to take care of the animals, which he is. But I want to make sure everybody knows somebody's still at the house. Don't go over there. <laughs> yeah. And that that's kind of a delicate balance you have to strike because I'm it sure really that the, the going out and the networking is a really important part of how you grow your audience and, and help build, build fans. They want to be interacting with you. Hmm. And I think that's an important point to make is it's never a solid line between security and being public for every single person. Every single person needs to consider what are their potential threat vectors? How are people potentially going to affect their lives? Because not everybody is going to be a YouTuber. And I know Mm -hmm. that. And I'm very aware of that. So a lot of times the, the safety precautions that I take as a public you know, potent, uh, content creator are not something that somebody else would use if they're working as a CEO out of their home office constantly. Or if you're working at a bar, there's a lot of potential possibilities, but all of them are going to be different for each person. So how do you learn to think like a malicious actor? <laughs> because I had one, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think part of it was watching a lot of hacker tutorials. Mm -hmm. And I also worked with Hack5, which their core audience is ethical hackers and information security professionals. So a lot of the content that I made over there, I'm completely self-taught. 
And that content was focused on, okay, how do you gain access to these networks? How do you take advantage of this vulnerability? And then for every single one of my tutorials, I would say, this is how it happens, but also this is how you can keep yourself safe. And mm-hmm. if there is not some kind of patch or some kind of update available, these are the mitigation processes that you can develop in order to protect yourself as a consumer now that you know how it happens. So a lot of it, it was just teaching myself, how do these hacks happen? And looking at forums, reading books about hacking, and really understanding how this stuff happens. So if mm-hmm. you just watch like a Hollywood movie, like Hackers, that's a great example. That's not going to give you a very good opinion of hackers. But the thing is, a lot of times you can read actual professional books that are written by security penetration professionals, people who are hired to companies to learn what kind of vulnerabilities exist and protect those networks. You can read what they're doing. You can read news articles about what's going on in security and privacy and learn a ton just focused on how these hacks happen. And once you get to that point, you can really start studying up on, oh, okay. So like there's a Synology network attached storage issue that recently came out. Mm -hmm. And I read about that and I was like, oh, I have a NAS. So I should go into my account and make sure that that is completely patched and it's updated so that I'm protected. And once you start reading up and like what's actually happening, you can really start protecting yourself and learning just based off whatever you're sponging up to really get an idea of how you can protect yourself as a consumer. That's great. So what do you use to help to help keep up? Are, where are you gaining, you know, getting your information from? Is it social media or RSS feeds? Or I, I'm curious on what your process is to do that. I use a... So in my Chrome browser, for example, uh, I use a couple of different browsers just to test things. But Mm -hmm. in Chrome, I have an entire folder dedicated to security and privacy news articles from a series of websites like Bleeping Computer, um, CNET is another really good one. Um, There's Vice. They have a lot of good articles about hacking. There's a lot of different news articles that are written by people who are journalists, but they're also a part of the security and privacy industry. So they have really excellent articles about how this stuff happens and they're very on top of it. So I read those every week on Mondays, uh, which also helps since I do a ThreatWire news website or Mm -hmm. news show. So that definitely helps. So I definitely do that. Um, Read up on everything like once a week, which is very quick. It's an easy process. And then I also use a series of tools to kind of protect myself and guard myself against potential attacks. Um, Abine is one, which is delete me. I use mm-hmm. their product, um, which is excellent. It's it's kind of pricey, but it's a product that I've been using every single year to protect myself. And they basically go through all of the like yellow page type of websites or white page type of websites that collect your address and your email and your name and phone number and all that good stuff. And they will send opt-out requests to all of those websites for you so you don't have to do it yourself. You can mm-hmm. do it yourself. And all of them legally have to give you a way to opt out. But I don't have time, so I pay somebody else to do it. Yeah, yeah. I use Spider Oak. Um, I've loved the Spider Oak platform myself since I want to say the early 
uh, 2010s or the late 2010s. I think that's when I first signed up for Spider Oak, but I've been using that for forever as my trusted cloud platform because of the ethics behind Spider Oak of protecting your information and making sure that even Spider Oak doesn't have access to it, uh, which can be great. Can also be really scary if you forget <laughs> your original password for your Spider Oak right. account. Ask me how I know. <laughs> Definitely went through that. I use two-factor authentication absolutely everywhere that I possibly can. Um, about once a year, I'll go through all the websites that I have signed up for. Um, I keep track of them through my password manager. So I know exactly what I've signed up for. And I will check them and see if they've enabled two-factor authentication if it wasn't originally available when I first signed up up for that website. And if it's not, I will give them crap on Twitter about it. <laughs> um, password manager. It's, it's surprisingly effective when you do things like that. <laughs> you know, it, it really is. Yeah. Especially if you can get it like a lot of people on board for asking for a new feature. Uh, I did that with Patreon, which is a site I use to fund a lot of what I do online as a content mm -hmm. creator. Um, Patreon is like a crowdfunding platform. So your viewers or your, your fans can donate a dollar or two a month. It's great. But for a long time, they didn't have 2FA. So I started bothering them about it. I even like walked into their office once for an invite, invited event. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, where's your security person? Can I ask them a question? And I was like, why don't you have 2FA? They have 2FA now and they do allow you to use an app. However, I don't think they have added a physical option yet, which would be mm -hmm. a plus. So I'm constantly looking for ways to upgrade my security, make sure my devices are updated and make sure the websites I'm signing up for are all updated as well. And they allow me to add these, these security options wherever possible. Well, it sounds like the process is really important to you. And I imagine part of that is out of time savings. If you have a good process yes. in place, then you don't have to think about it quite so much. Oh, yeah. 100%. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Well, speaking of time, I don't want to take too much of yours, but thank you so much uh, for all the things you've shared. One of the ways we, we like to end these interviews is uh, with a favorite quote. Do you have a quote you'd like to share with us? I do. Let me, I'm going to look up the author of it because I want to give credit to the author. Uh, it's opportunity is not a lengthy visitor, which I often find is very true in my real life opportunities and situations, as well as my, my job. Oftentimes I, I get the opportunity to do really cool stuff like this interview. And if I don't say yes, that opportunity may disappear quite quickly. So opportunity is not a lengthy visitor. And that was originally a quote from Stephen Sondheim, who mm -hmm. wrote Into the Woods, which I played yeah. Cinderella in when I was in high school, because I'm also a thespian, a theater geek, and which is part of the reason of why I do YouTube now. But that was a big, ever since I did that show, that was a really big quote for me. And I've kind of taken that to stride when it comes to my my own career and the opportunities that I take. And I also take those when it comes to security and privacy. If there's a vulnerability, the opportunity to protect yourself is not a lengthy visitor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> so true. Ah, thank you so much. Well, my guest today has been Shannon Morse. Shannon, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. That was great. All right. Well, stay tuned. In a few days, we'll release another episode and we will see you then.
Some things are best kept secret. You wouldn't send your company's financial data through snail mail on a postcard. So why would you use insecure digital collaboration tools? Introducing Crossclave, a file sharing and collaboration solution built with security in mind from the first byte. It's like Signal for Business. Crossclave uses distributed ledger technology in end-to-end encryption to deliver a true zero-trust system designed to protect you and your business's most valuable data. When you need to share or collaborate on your most sensitive information, SpiderOak's Crossclave is your only choice. Go to spideroak.com podcast to get started with a free account. No credit card required. Thanks again for listening. For all of us at SpiderOak, I'm Adam Turvitt. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please consider subscribing. If you're interested in joining us as a guest on SpiderBytes, send me an email at podcast at spideroak-inc.com. We'd like to thank Mel Graves for our theme music, Earshot. We'd also like to extend a special thanks to our law firm, Dewey Cheatham & Howe, SpiderOak's communications director, George Stan Topothis, our self-esteem coach, Mia Culpa, and our staffing agency, Click & Clack. Thanks, everyone.